0: podcast platforms be sure to give me a follow on facebook instagram and tiktok as well at matt stocks dj that way you can keep up to date with all of my live q a dates my dj performances and of course who's coming up on the show as well but without further ado let's crack on with the show shall we here we go
1: hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The memo says we got a
0: blow smoke up your ass from the start but you can always tell the the sign of a great song when you strip all the amplification and volume away yeah and you you break it down to its kind of core heart yeah and all those songs of that record are just like incredibly infectious impassioned i, I, think, I almost prefer the acoustic versions yeah
2: i mean and i would understand um uh th- those songs in particular um all of them were written that way. Right. So that's why they feel George, so... George you
0: and Justin, yeah, Leonard yeah, McCartney yeah, style.
2: Yeah, yeah, and And, and, you know, uh, Woody Guthrie, Phil Oaks, uh, Pete Seeger. The, the lineage of folk music to punk rock is not as far as you think. Billy Bragg, you of know. Of course, Bob Dylan. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the, the biggest difference is uh, we don't see ourselves as poets. Um we're trying to we're trying to speak to social and racial and economic equity in a way that is a direct yes. uh, uh, message. And so um, I am a fan of Bob Dylan and a fan of Metaphor, but I think that exists. So I want to create something that maybe is ending up at the same place eventually but it's just a different route to get there.
0: A little bit more direct. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Well, I'm excited to talk to you, dude. It's funny yeah, it's that we been spent a, like
2: been two weeks
0: on the road together. Yeah. And this is probably going to be the most time we've ever spent like one-on-one <laughs> chatting. It takes a promo trip yeah. to Europe to facilitate it. But, well, um, well, there's a couple
2: reasons why. Um, yeah. One, uh, you're busy well, well, on from, the Fireball From tour. doors until yeah. close. Yeah. yeah, it's
0: between every band, bang, bang, bang. Yeah,
2: and so when we normally get our moment to to – enjoy the camaraderie of the rock and roll experience, you're actually working in all of those moments. So um, I think that it's pretty funny that, uh, you know, just depending on the job or depending on the, what your role is facilitating, it takes you either into the circle or out of the circle for certain people based on their schedule. And so I think like for, for us because of our slot in that bill, when you did have free time during some of the earlier bands we're warming up and, I'm course, and i don't want to get in there exactly, yet. exactly. and yeah. then and then when we could hang out during whoever uh um real big fish real it would big have been fish after you closing, guys yeah i'm you know packing down showering, showering. Exactly. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, yeah so, like, yeah we just were ships in the night even though we're right next to each other it's yeah. funny
0: nobody really unless you've been on a tour and around that environment nobody really sees that side of it as well because especially at festivals yeah when i'm doing like the slam dunk stage uh, i didn't do the punk and droblick stage this year which you guys were on yeah, yeah yeah but that's usually the stage that i'm on and that's like two fireball bills because there's yeah, like 10 yeah, bands yeah, throughout other day yeah. and everybody's like yeah i'll see you at slam dunk and I'm like, you probably actually won't, and that's yeah. not me being rude. It's just that I'm going to be anchored to that stage for yeah. like 12 hours a day. Yeah, yeah. And but I love it, man. I get so much enjoyment from standing in that vantage point when I'm on, obviously filling the gaps. But mainly when you know the bands are on and people mm-hmm. are there to see these groups. And I have that that view that you guys have of the crowds. Yeah. And you know, especially in today's world where so much is downloaded, and I think taken away from the the tangible meaning of mm. music and art. The live show, I think is the last environment where, you know, you can't download or replicate that. No. You can obviously watch a show on YouTube, yeah, yeah, yeah. but nothing beats that communal feeling when you're in a room or in a field with all these people singing along, the smell, the the vibe. I was yeah. just telling you about the, the salty dog flogging Molly yeah, Cruise Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah there's yeah. just these moments at the live shows that you can never get if you're not there well, in it.
2: Right. One of the things that, you know, and I caution, um, and, and, and often self-censor so that I'm not too much of a hippie, but in a world where, uh, right now along the border of the U S and Mexico, there are children living and dying in internment camps. Um, there are LGBTQ plus folks that, uh, are seeing their community, uh, stricken with a pandemic of suicide rates that are in the, upper hundreds of percentiles and increase since the election of Donald Trump in America. You have women inequality and the attacks on their body, such as in the form of abortion bans and the form of um, uh, uh, legislation as, as to um, who can marry who in our country. And uh, I think that in this moment of such inequality and such uh, a stranglehold of those that have and those that have not. To be kind is radical. So the show is a great experience in where you can just literally stop and look around and say, somehow we've all found ourselves here. Um, our backgrounds may be diverse. The, the way we uh, uh, got to this point in our life may be very different. But in this moment, we're here for the same reason. And that's a powerful thing that doesn't happen a lot in our lives, you know, so to do something like, you know, in the fireball tour, we were having people turn to their neighbor and shake hands with the person next to them. I remember. Yeah. I just hope that somebody leaves thinking like, oh, I'm not alone or, oh, I'm if I feel uh, a certain way, there are other people who feel the same way. And um, you're, you're absolutely right. Like the record exists. And it's a very personal interaction. You know, I, I still believe in, you know, some antiquated ideas that people buy an LP and they sit down with it and they read the liner loads. Well, then- you guys are on fire
0: as well with your productivity and prolific yeah. nature in which you release records. Yeah. And the packaging, especially of the la- this current one that you're about to bring out, 2020 yeah. Vision, yeah. and the last two, American Spring and American Fall, the packaging, the artwork... Clearly, the the subjects, the themes, like, these are records. These aren't just a few singles and then a load of filler, and let's just put it out so we've got an excuse to tour. Grandpa over here he's
2: thinking about what side B track one is. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) like, these are records. (laughs) Yeah, and so I know that the number of people that are experiencing it that way is is less and less every year, Um, but I also don't think that we should squeeze those people like a lemon and say just because we're selling less, you get less. Yeah. You know, I wanna I wanna celebrate the people that actually take the time to, to to buy a physical copy of the record. That doesn't mean that I don't support the digital systems that we have. You know, I think it's easier for people to find new bands and find new music than ever. Um, and to get your music heard as an upcoming band as absolutely. well. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I, you know, I will never. Any opportunity we have to bring people together, I will never dismiss that. You know, um, like the, you know, just a, a funny anecdote, you know, everybody's posting their Spotify. I was going to just literally pick <laughs> yeah. you up on that because
0: it's funny, isn't it? People are like, an amazing year. We've had, you know, say 30 million streams. Yeah. 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 But, yeah but how much money you had from that? Well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, and how much have they had?
2: I'm always, I am always of the, um, uh, I'm always on the side of the worker, so I want us to seize the means of production, even within our own entity. So you know, uh, uh, I think that that if that means looking and taking a hard look at how artists and how people are, are are compensated for their work, we should be doing that. I will never apologize for thinking that people should be paid for their work, and there.
0: And nor should you. No,
2: there is a punk rock mentality of if you make money off of the thing that you're doing it's wrong um i think there's a big difference between it being exploitative to make that money and
0: recognizing
2: yeah what's earned and what is fair
0: yeah Yeah. it's funny because there's that age-old concept isn't there that if you make success of yourself in punk rock then you're a sellout and it's like yeah would you have us just playing squats and basement shows forever and yeah, which is totally cool for people. And... But paying our bills.
2: But, I, but we, the thing that I think the greatest um, attribute we have as a band is when Anti Flag started, our goal was to play a show in Cleveland, Ohio, which is the city two hours away from Pittsburgh. If we would have played in New York City, we would have thought we're Kiss. We're done. Yeah, you know? that's as big as it gets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't so, matter if it's a club
0: show or Madison Square Garden, yeah, you've made it. So yeah.
2: all of this... You know, sitting in London, talking to you, you playing a show in Hong Kong, going to St. Petersburg, Russia, all of it is so far beyond the scope of what we ever imagined that there is never a moment that we are not humbled by or thinking to ourselves we are tremendously lucky to be in. So when it comes to, you know the reach of the band or taking advantage of opportunities. You know, and I think a great example of that is how we met. Do I want to fucking hang out with alcohol-sponsored corporate (laughs) events? No. Yeah. I have no business there. But if you're telling me that there's going to be 2,000 people at every one of these shows, and they only have to pay five quid to get in, and it kind of levels the playing field and for your opportunity to um, interact with them,
0: and they get a great kind of diverse package bill. It's for a great value someone's
2: and, gonna play that show, yeah why the f- why the fuck shouldn't it be me?
0: <laughs> yeah like don't be too holier than now that you're gonna yeah, turn down that yeah. opportunity and then regret it and then yeah. also
2: have faith in people that they can see and interact with um others and still be themselves, yeah, you know what I mean like like I'll proud to tell you that I didn't drink a single thing of fireball the entire time I was up. Well that's another reason why we
0: probably didn't hang out that much is I didn't see you any of the after parties. Exactly. and that's what, after I'd done my last DJ set, I'd be straight off to the venue yeah. to DJ the after party as yeah. well. Yeah. And that's generally where I get to kind of do my socializing. So that would be yeah. another reason yeah. why.
2: Yeah. 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 And I mean it's not because I don't uh enjoy the, the the you know those things and you know it's a I'm not I don't want to come across as a prude, you know, I want everybody to have the best time that they have, but it's also not why I'm here. It's not why I started playing music. You know, uh, I,
0: I enjoy. And maybe you've kind of done it, right? You got yeah, quite a bit yeah, of it out of Yeah, of, of course. Yeah. I heard you on a podcast. I can't remember whose it was, but you were saying that you used to be a big fan of the boxed wine. Oh yeah. 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 yeah <laughs> that was yeah, your yeah, poison yeah. when you were a kid, was it? Yeah. I mean,
2: <laughs> you get that silver bag inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They call
0: it goon in Australia, don't they?
2: <laughs> Fucking goon, mate. <laughs> That's great. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's part of, of experiences lived and what you took from it and, and, and what you want to be. and So, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that there isn't a chance to interact with someone who you wouldn't interact with in a normal setting. And that's, that, to me, is the, the opportunity of doing a slam dunk to doing a, a fireball tour and then doing our own tour and hoping that in some part of the world, people from Part A and Part B came together and they see what we got down here, you know. Um I think that's always the cool thing is introducing maybe the normie that you meet at the you know, the download festival or um you know, even Leeds and Reading or something like that and then them coming into a club that they've never been in before and being like, "Yeah, this is your city. This is your scene. You should know more about this than I do." You know, I think that's a cool part of injecting punk rock into these spaces that it normally doesn't live it
0: what came first for you chris was it punk rock or was it politics or did punk rock lead to politics
2: yeah it was politics politics came first yeah yeah so and what
0: politicized you was there an event or was it a person or
2: yeah so so um it was a person it was my brother he was um uh uh you know he was selling drugs and he was um always he always saw the world a little bit differently than than i did and um, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean I I also champion him as maybe like the greatest influence on me uh that I can think of, you know. Um but he certainly lived outside the lines of legality and um that's gr- a very
0: well put <laughs> phrase
2: as a politician in this. Yeah. <laughs> um but uh I grew up in a household with a single mother. She was an Im- immigrant to the US. She came over uh, from Italy when she was 13 and um, was you know, high school educated, but that was it. And then immediately um, a- in a relationship and having children and furthermore in an abusive relationship. Then she had to work up the strength and the power to get out of that. Um, then she found the relationship with my father who was also abusive. Found somehow the wherewithal to end that relationship um,
0: was your dad around, or did he? No.
2: So, so my dad, um, uh, my dad molested my sister, and um, uh, my mom. Uh, my sister told my mom when she was old enough to understand what was going on, and um, there was this brief moment where nobody knew what to do, and so I think they kind of stayed together for a little bit longer than that. I know, know my mom carries a lot of weight about this. It's a relatively short period of time that she was unsure of how to handle the situation. But um, later found, again, the strength and the wherewithal to go to police, um, um, bring them into the fold, explain what had happened. Uh, There was a trial and there were no uh, there was no charges that stuck to my father at the time. So he uh, went free. Um, My mom leaves. Actually, kicks him out of the house. We 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 stayed in the house, but it was a tremendous financial burden on her to do so. And uh, how old um, are you at
0: this point? I'm
2: six years old. Six? Wow. Well, yeah.
0: And how old's your oldest brother? Uh, older brother. Yeah, he is.
2: I think fourteen. Yeah, yeah. And your sister? Um, thirteen, twelve years old. Yeah. So yeah. you're the youngest of three. I'm the youngest of three. Yeah. And um, so anyways, you know, growing up around that, now fatherless. Um, and, uh, uh, I'm around nine years old whenever my brother starts living outside the halls of legality. I don't know if you remember what I said, but it was a good line. It was a good line. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there was something about the realms of the galaxy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, um, uh, I remember being nine years old and um, I'm at the bus stop in the morning and uh, the a police car pulls over and rolls down the window and says, motions over to me. And they say, you're, you're Mike Law's little brother, right? And I said, yeah. And they said, we're going to get him. We're going to take him away. We know what he's doing. You should tell him. And you're nine. And I'm nine. a cop saying this to you. And all I thought of was, well, I don't have a dad. And the only, you know, person kind of keeping things together because my mom was working insane overnights at that period of time About but two jobs was yeah, yeah 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 and um i, I was like well, what do you mean they are gonna take them and um then shortly whether it was in the same couple days or, or a couple weeks um i heard the song fuck the police by nwa and i was like that's how i feel i i you know i i know i know it's a fun to say the word fuck because <laughs> I'm a child, but b it gave me a vehicle for the frustration I was feeling with these people who were harassing a kid. Now that I look back on it, like like it was immoral for them to do that, you know. And um, was your brother like a punk? Did he have that kind of look? No, where he looked like a no. My brother was far more. Um, Far more into hip hop far more into um you know this would have been 1990 so you know uh uh, uh it was definitely
0: so it was N.W.A. And... yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah um and easy and yeah you know, like um, the very
0: early stages of gangster rap
2: yeah and um you know it had infiltrated um lower middle class and poor folks even on the east coast of course yeah yeah and um because it was front line wasn't it it was like cnn
0: commentary on social ills and equality yeah and it was being presented in a way that hadn't really been done before yeah
2: so then whenever i got to um you know 13 years old i had a cousin and um Did they take your brother away? Did they arrest him? Um, So, funny story about my brother is very shortly after he did get arrested, um, but um, the cop who arrested him did it improperly. And so my mom hired a lawyer and was able to um, get the charges against him dropped because he had actually sold drugs to a police officer, um, but he... My brother was smart enough to ask the cop if he was a cop before doing so. The cop lied and said not and then um is that a loophole is it would, if you ask them they have to say they yes have to say yeah. yeah Right.
0: good to know yeah yeah
2: <laughs> so i mean i'm sure now in a, in this is again the early 90s so now in pa- post-patriot act america i'm sure they don't have to tell you anything anymore yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. I, if you're if you're, <laughs> if living you're taking outside that as the reason the, to the, do it the uh the scale of legality <laughs> don't don't use this antiquated uh loophole um but yeah, so, the, so he
0: he managed to not go to jail. He managed and do to not time. go to jail,
2: um, but it just put a stranglehold on. He was hated by the police in our area because was he notorious? Yes, your, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Subsequently, I mean, yeah that that arc of path of my brother is is kind of a tragic one um, because he then, you know there's no you know there's no teachable moment in it where it's like hey this happened and thankfully my mother was there to pay for the lawyer have and this is fucked too <laughs> we can go deep on this but the lawyer my mom gets we couldn't afford but the reason we got him was he was an it- an italian immigrant as well and they had this camaraderie of family line that we were able to use uh, otherwise so it's he,
0: like a pro bono case for him yeah he was just yeah, doing it as yeah. a kind of he was doing it for deed.
2: for someone who he understood for the, the struggle from yeah. yeah and um and he was he was first generation and his son is is second generation and his son later ends up representing my brother when he does finally go to jail and this would have been 2012 or something like that he did so that news. original
0: brush with the law wasn't enough to oh put no him and, and
2: so that i mean in an ideal world he gets scared straight um but that doesn't happen he goes deeper and he actually wins a lot and um i think that that winning is addicting when you're making a lot of money and you know even in my family like
0: is he in jail now no he's, no, he's out
2: he's out and um he lives with my mom uh now and um we uh, we hope that he's you know not gonna go back. I mean he's he's older now. He's you know almost fifty. I think um, so. He needs to get his shit together. <laughs> but um,
0: what about your dad? Do you ever reconcile with him? Is he no,
2: no, no, no. I refuse to. I mean, I, I have um, uh, uh, I have a lot of. Um, there were a few times where I had to interact with him. Um, The first time was uh, just a... Maybe I was 10 years old um, when the Nintendo came out. A good time uh, to be alive. uh, Yeah, and uh, I I believe that people in my family were still communicating with him. Um, Or, you know, again, like the Nintendo was like the Tickle Me Elmo. He knew that I would want one um, and that we couldn't afford one otherwise. So he bought one. And said, you, you can have it if you come and visit me. So there was a stipulation of my brother and my cousin went. And you know, they, were, they were the toughest guys I knew. So I brought them with me. And uh, I got my Nintendo. I was there for about 10 minutes. And then I left. Um, and then later, whenever I was 16, and this is right before I joined Anti-Flag, um, uh, I played ice hockey. And the team that I was on um, was a travel team. And... and um, needed it was like two thousand dollars for the season and we couldn't afford for me to play and my trajectory was I, I needed to play that year because um that team had college scouts that saw it so it was so
0: is that the route you were going down yeah at yeah, that stage yeah you were like yeah sports career sports career yeah seemed like the kind of path you wanted yeah to
2: at least at least in a collegiate level so that i could afford to go to college yeah. because i wouldn't be able to afford to otherwise and um uh, my mom couldn't afford to pay for the season, we needed help. I went to my grandmother uh, on my father's side for money, and uh, she said, Yeah, as long as you go see him in jail, because uh, we have a thing called Megan's Law in uh, the states, and um, if you are accused of sexual abuse, um, and it happens twice you automatically go to jail uh, and then you're put on a sex offenders list and so um, he that family that i visited uh and got the nintendo from he sexually assaulted uh someone in that family so um uh he was a child molester so uh after it happened twice he went to jail i had to visit him in jail to get the two thousand dollars to play hockey that season about 3 quarters of the way into that season I felt terrible. Um that's a tough meeting as well, right? Yeah, it was awful. Yeah. 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 Is and that the last time you saw him? That was the last time I saw him. Yeah. Yeah. And um and uh so that would have been 21 years ago and um uh I didn't play very well that season. I didn't enjoy it. It felt like well, you felt like it was like blood money type thing, yeah, yeah. And so, um, that's the same year that I heard the dead Kennedys, and the dead Kennedys told me all the things that NWA told me, but
0: in a way that was more relatable to you, of course, yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, it's as much as I, um, you know, want to, uh, Think that I have things in common with four kids from Compton. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: I have much. See, I more- wish I'd known this. I could have played Fuck the Police <laughs> yeah. as your intro track on a Bible tour every night.
2: would have been amazing. So, so, um, so I, I, I literally found punk rock that year. And, uh, the next year I had found Anti Flag in Pittsburgh and I weaseled my way into the band. And did you drop out of college? Did you see it through? No. So I never went to college, but I did finish high school. Right. Um, my mom being the proud Italian immigrant that she is would refuse to let me. uh, uh, You know, I had talked about going to like vocational school or getting a GED or any of these things. And they were absolutely not on the table. I had to graduate high school before she gave me any sort of blessing to travel with these.
0: So are you in anti-flag whilst you're in high school? Yes.
2: Yeah. So my senior year. Are they a bit older than you? Yeah. 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 Uh, I think that um, eight to 10 year difference between... I didn't realize yeah. it was that much. Yeah. Justin looks younger than I He am, does. He does look young. I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> say he looks younger, but he definitely look
0: kind of the same age. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So, um, <laughs> that was an interesting thing, too, because people in the school within the system of it under- knew my background and what I had kind of come out of. They knew my brother very well in the school. They knew my sister very well in the school. And um, uh uh, I think they were happy to see a different opportunity. I mean, within the realm of Pittsburgh, Anti-Flag was a relatively popular band, but I think they were more excited that there was a um, a vision, you know, and um, they saw me quit playing hockey and they thought, oh, well, he lost his only path out of following in the footsteps of everybody else in this this area. So, Uh, everybody was very accommodating to letting me go on tour during the year of school like they dropped all of my classes about halfway through and I remember going to one um, uh, like a history class um, you know that you know I hadn't been to for like three weeks and I came in and the teacher was like "Barker, what are you doing here He's like, I'll I'll pass you. Get out. And I was like, All right, well, this is sick. Yeah. (laughs) So.
0: That's great. You would think it would usually go the other way. Yeah, yeah. Punk rock's leading this kid astray. We're going to give him a hard time. No, I think they were like rock star. All this. No, they were like. That's great.
2: This fucking kid's got no opportunity. Good luck. He's been fucking dealt a few shit cards. Yeah, yeah. I think that was a lot of it. That was a lot of it. Um so what were they
0: doing when you joined? Did they have an like an album or anything out or were they yeah, just touring so, like so
2: Die for the Government was out. Okay. And that's how I found the band. I mean, I bought it in a record store and I thought it looked cool and the the things they were singing about were Pittsburgh centric. On that record is a song called Fuck Police Brutality, which yep. further affirmed what I was looking for. And um and it was, you know, again, like I said, it was a band that was so focused on our area because we didn't think we were going to go anywhere um so i joined the band before the second record and which is what new kind of army yeah yeah so it's been the four of us since september of 98 wow yeah i mean that's quite a rare story in
0: today's world as well isn't it because of families and financial strain and you know sometimes obviously drugs and alcohol play a role in it but it's so rare that you get these bands that go all those years and remain you know those same friends
2: yeah yeah I think that, too, like, Pittsburgh is such an interesting place where from the 70s to the 80s where the steel mill industry had left, everyone was touched by how depressed the town became. And that, even from people who were in the middle class to um, even, you know, the lower upper class folks, people felt the strain of... Of how hard it was to be in this town and it politicized everybody so the one thing that is interesting is that when it comes to the band operations or business or it comes to artwork or it comes to you know what type of t-shirts we make there will be discussions there'll be disagreements we usually go like whoever's most passionate wins and who's that generally? Well, who you and me and Justin. <laughs> <laughs> but then, when it comes to lyrics, or when it comes to the politics, or what we're trying to do, there is never a moment where someone's been like, "Yo, we can't do that," which I think is really unique. Um, uh, we, if I read something in the, the paper or Twitter, I guess now, um, I know how Justin's going to feel about it. Which is.
0: And it's generally the same.
2: It's generally the same. Yeah. 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 Maybe like his his reaction might be more nuanced and I might learn something from it, you know, like. um, But yeah, overall, our empathy is the same.
1: Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
0: What was the first song you wrote for the band?
2: Oh, that's a... Uh, I think it was... Uh, Bring Out Your Dead, okay, which is yeah, on yeah, yeah. the third record, yeah. um, Underground Network. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, that was scary, too. And we actually I have a f- funny story about singing that song in the studio. It was the first time i had ever sang in a studio. We made this record with a guy who we're still great friends with, Master Eugenie, but he is a perfectionist. The album took three months to make uh, because there was no computers. <laughs> and... I was sleep deprived and beaten and, you know, we were only supposed to be there for four weeks and we were here at like week nine and it's it's really hard. Um, And Justin was going to the laundromat and he came down the steps and I'm in the vocal booth and I sing and I finish for the first take of the song. Uh, and I'm nervous. I've never done this before and he's got his laundry bag like a over a hobo over his yeah, shoulder yeah. <laughs> And he leans in and he pushes the button on the talk back so I can hear him in my headphones and he just says Sounds like Satan And then he left
0: <laughs> You're like, is that good? Is that bad? Exactly. Nah, and so where, I like that? I was
2: like, what do we do and <laughs> It was great. I mean, he wrote me a four page letter, apology letter.
0: <laughs> that, Amazing.
2: And I mean, I think that's he why really you're still together bad.
0: all these years later. Yeah. Little I, gestures like that.
2: Well, I think that that there's a thing where. You know, he, he didn't know how green I was, you know, sometimes we when you're so comfortable around somebody, you don't think about their vulnerability, Um And, you know, it happens to me all the time with him, um, you know, to to go to this new album, you know, that was 99. So it's almost 20 years later, he comes in with a song Unbreakable and his mom dies of cancer uh, uh, recently. And he has this song about the triumph of the human spirit. I don't even equate it to that because. We I see it and I read it as we're overcoming racial adversity. We're overcome, you know And so I criticize the song and and then I see him take it in a way that's different from the normal Conversation we have about lyrics and then I have to draw the lines and you're like, oh shit. I was almost you know I didn't think about feelings because typically anti flag doesn't have feelings. We're social commentators. We're yeah, you're going after the powers that be, as it? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So it was an interesting predicament. I mean, it felt very similar to that thing where it was just like it would be just like kind of harassing your bud. But if you don't know what headspace people are in or where their vulnerability lies in that moment, it can be, it can, it can sting a little bit more than normal.
0: And I guess if you don't communicate those things, then that's where you know rifts begin to form and grow. Yeah, and...
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a knockdown drag out the other day, um, just about this because I have been like the 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 title of the record. The... Well, I want to say
0: the title of the record, right, is brilliant. You got in there first. Yeah. Because I've just started getting into photography, uh-huh. and, I, and I want to call my project 2020, uh- because <laughs> it's just too perfect. And I was like, the for flag
2: guys. <laughs> I guess
0: I can still take it because it's not yeah, music, but no. you got in there, man. Yeah, yeah. Good for so you.
2: the all of it, the title of the record, the, 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 the cover. Um,
0: Trump is on it.
2: Yeah, and that specific image of Trump, because it's got like this crazy story where he's the only president to ever change his press photo. And that was the first one. And, you know, we are allowed to use it because it was shot by, uh, by a photographer paid with taxpayer dollars. And it's this whole, you know, kind of crazy thing where we have a courtesy of the White House credit in our album,
1: which is brilliant.
2: Yeah. And so the record coming out in January, all of it, I was steamrolling. And you know Justin had lost his mom. Pat had had a baby. We have lost. We have gained. All of these things happening at the same the circle time. Circle of life, right? Yeah. And those guys are like, "Whoa, we're not ready to write." And I'm like, "I must th- here. I literally wrote thirty seven songs for this album." And I was like, "Pick, pick them." Let's go. Well, this is
0: another thing I wanted to ask you about because you would think in the climate that we're in currently, and I don't mean the actual environment, I mean the political climate, social climate, economic, everything, you'd think there'd be more bands writing about this stuff. There'd be more bands that are sounding the alarm and that are pissed off and they're addressing these issues. And I thought a couple of years ago when it was starting to move this way, you know, with the rise of nationalism and a lot of this stuff and with Brexit, with Trump, with now Boris Johnson, you'd think there'd be more bands out there saying shit.
2: Yeah, But there really doesn't
0: seem to be. There seems to be a massive lack. Do you think that's because people are afraid of kind of stepping out of line and risking jeopardizing their career? Do you think that it's harder for bands now to make a living in music, that they're kind of playing things a bit safer? What do you think it is?
2: Speaking um, like, you know, we're. Poking fun of speaking like a politician earlier, but uh, at the beginning, I I was far more politically correct with my answer to this question because I thought, well, the anti-war movement, George W. Bush, that took three years before there was mass mobilization and mass protest within music. We'll get there, and now I do think it's fear. I do think that the troll, um, the 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 fact that if you. Kindness is punk and revolutionary right now. So if you say, hey, I don't think we should have a planet that is dying. I think we should have a nice planet. People are like, fuck you. You love Hillary Clinton. <laughs> you know, and you're like, what does this have to do with anything? You know, like, I, like, I don't like assault weapons in America, but I also don't like a militarized police force. You can get rid of both. You know, I don't like um, an environment that is uh, deregulated and being drilled into and oceans being poisoned on a continuous level. The same way, you know, I don't like um, racial inequality. I mean, they're not mutually exclusive. These things aren't all happening in a vacuum. You can you can have empathy for
0: empathy is the key word, I think. Yeah. for, For everyone. There's a lot of people just standing in their corner shouting at the other guy, isn't there? Yeah, and it's like, can't we just get together and some more of these stuff and well, I mean, reconnect. Yeah, and technology should be allowing us to do that, but ironically, it's kind of pushing us the other way, isn't it? Well, people get into these echo chambers and they get into fights. Yeah, and it's like, come on, let's break it down. Let's have a conversation here, but it's so much harder to do that using social media platforms. And, and all internet, of that, I think. I think,
2: has scared artists from uh, uh, from communicating empathy
0: with their art yeah
2: yeah but i you know you got to go back to the globalization that got us here you got to go back to um corporations the upper echelon the 10 percent of the world's uh people that control 90 percent of the world's wealth they ship that job overseas so that they can make a bit more money and then you living in the rural parts of england or the rural parts of america um, you lost your job or your job became obsolete and instead of saying the person who did that is my enemy. Your neighbor is your enemy now. Of course. And their what's image the quote? It's the like refugee. we're
0: we're being taught to pick on the people that are being oppressed, and let the people that are doing the oppressing get away with it.
2: And 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 that has led to the false populism of, uh, or false populist movement of Boris Johnson of the AfD in Germany, um, uh, Bolsonaro in in South America, Donald Trump in the U.S. Yeah, and. You know, again, because it's fear, isn't it? They're yeah. playing on the
0: fear and yeah. feeding into it and distracting them. And...
2: So the so the only way you win is um, you're kind to your neighbor, and uh, and I think that a great example of that is uh, like the yellow vest protests that happened in France. At the beginning, um, it was people from rural areas going out and marching every week, and those people doing that. Got forced out of their <clears throat> forced out of their homes, and interacted with people who were like them but of different cultures, and then before you knew it, people in the Yellow Vest movement were asking anarchists about Black Bloc and why they're here and why they support them, and then they said, "Well, because you're scapegoated and marginalized the same way gay and lesbian and transgender folks are scapegoated and marginalized for um, their life." Yeah,
0: and because it's a threat to the corporate order, isn't it? Of course. And without being the tinfoil hat guy, it's like the reason they want us all at home, on the phones, just buying stuff online. is because they don't want people out there communicating, connecting, and realizing, actually, we're the same. It's those motherfuckers over there that are different.
2: The idea that Boris Johnson or Donald Trump are anti-establishment. millionaires and billionaires are not (laughs) anti-establishment they do not have anything in common with you or i you know that's for damn sure um let me ask you this yeah is there hope well yeah i mean there's got to be because i wouldn't be in a punk rock band if i didn't have hope i the the thing that's nice is that we get to talk about pretty much all of these things maybe not so much the personal stuff we got into today but but at least the last five minutes of this we talk about that via the songs in between songs on stage every day. And at the end, people clap for us. And that's very nice. People that work at NGOs, people that uh, are writing letter campaigns to free political prisoners, people in the streets for extinction rebellion or future Friday marches, they don't have a ton of people clapping for them. And my hope comes from those people, but I also want to show solidarity with these these people. So the the, the end all for me is, you know, Put out a record, get on the road, take a show of hands of who gives a fuck about more than just themselves, and really ask the question, you know, what do you want? Do you want to continue down this path towards neo-fascism and endless racism and bigotry? And destruction of the planet. Yeah. And, yeah, Or do you want to go somewhere else? Because we've seen what that looks like. And uh, I'll tell you this. If we stand on the sidelines, you or I, and don't try we know what that looks like let's see what it looks like if we try (laughs) if we try you know like so that's but that's hope that's a hopeful idea effort takes hope are you a father no no
0: is that on the cards for you no
2: but uh head and pat both have babies so i'll go look at them if i need yeah (laughs) is it because you think
0: that you have kind of had that troublesome childhood that that's put you off family
2: so at first yeah at first that was it for sure um you know, like like, when I was a kid, I would say like, if I have a million dollars, I'll be a father. <laughs> you know, like I just don't want anyone to have to deal with what I dealt with. You know, but that was definitely being like fourteen years old and um, thinking that money solved any type of problem. But it certainly helps though, Exactly. It? Well, freedom <laughs> is is, yeah. is uh, it is,
0: comes with a price. Of course, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, but the the Idea uh, and I hate saying this because my two of my best friends just had just had children, you know but the planet's hurting and we can do with less of us and um, There's a lot of people out there who need homes and things like that. So maybe at some point whenever um, I'm not playing shows 70% of the year and things like that then I can hook up one of those kids that needs help but in the meantime it's it's not really I mean and even you know, my partner and I have discussed it, you know, many times. And she's got her world going on. I got my world going on. It doesn't seem to be in our cards. But I like babies. That's, don't get me wrong. It's not because I'm like fuck kids yeah. <laughs> it's funny because just like, like being a cool uncle <laughs> yeah because then you can give them back right yeah. you, you can
0: swan on in there and be like I've just yeah. come off tour here's some
2: presents exactly. cool 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 yeah. see you in a bit yeah yeah, yeah.
0: and it's yeah. I mean it is a very you know again, like
2: even Justin's girlfriend uh, 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 Lauren she works for Billie Eilish, so like now I'm like you like Billie Eilish posters, they're signed. Amazing! I'm cool. I'm out of here.
0: She's killing it, right? What's, oh, what's like your take on her music? You're a fan? You like it? Yeah, I'm a
2: great fan. I mean,
0: I'm a fan of anything that is. There seems to be this new movement, doesn't there? People like her and Post Malone that uh I guess, switching kids onto alternative culture from within the mainstream for the first time in a while. Yeah, well, because that mainstream was... has been very mainstream for quite a while now, hasn't it? And there's yeah. nothing really like edgy or spooky or no truly alternative that's kind of. In that pop playing field at the moment, apart from these guys coming through now. And
2: even egalitarian in how they make the music. That, to me, is the thing. Like, like the idea of 70 producers and going in and being in a $1,000 a day studio and just word vomiting until somebody puts it together as a thing... I mean,
0: that's not really talent, is it? That's just like making the best of a bad situation. Yeah, and, <laughs> and spending a lot of money doing it. And
2: the fact that this seventeen-year-old kid made this red bed bedroom recording and it's selling millions of copies—that to me is like—that's where that idea of hope and yeah, of course. I mean, excitement comes back into And, it, and, it, and it? even the records that we are making now, like we're trying you guys to, are killing it. We're trying to sad. be.
0: Just sonically, like the last few albums you've made, are some of the best songs you yeah. guys have ever produced. Brandenburg Gate is like a stone cold hit. Yeah, uh, American Attraction, amazing. Yeah. Like these are songs which have been out a couple of years, but for me, they're like staple, iconic Anti Flag yeah. songs that, that sound as powerful and as they were as well received in the live sets as any of the old stuff. Well, and that I've seen to that me firsthand. is
2: is is the most fulfilling part of this is that we are not resting on laurels and yeah or being the or relying band. on yeah and and I, we have a lot of friends who when we play with them if when they play the song from 96 that's their moment yeah and they've come to me in secret and said how are you doing that and i think it's just the work like we we don't distance ourselves from a song if we play it one time and the kids don't love it like if I love it I'm gonna make you love
0: it <laughs> also as well dare I say this you never had that one massive oh, yeah. song well, that's the that thing. defines you yeah. you know like a Pennywise got loads of great songs yeah, but everyone's yeah, good yeah. bro him yeah yeah yeah. and I don't think anti-flag apart no. from
2: press corps maybe well, might, might have teetered on that and but... it depends on where you're from because in the states that's die for the government right in Germany it's this is the end in the UK it's press Corpse. so you're absolutely right we we have when punk was really big and you know bands like No Effects or even Taking Back Sunday or whatever going five hundred thousand to a million albums sold. There are four Anti Flag records that all sold two hundred thousand copies. So we don't have that defining record or that defining moment, which is kind of cool because people interact with the band, isn't it? Yeah.
0: And yeah. there's no pressure and expectation. Like, how are we going to top that record that we made in 2003? Yeah. Yeah. How are we going to do that? Yeah. It's like, let's just keep putting out good shit.
2: Yeah. Well, it's just, yeah. And it just shows you that if you care about something, people are attracted to that belief and that honesty. And so um, we just have to continue to be true and honest to ourselves. There are moments when our ability to fully invest in the band has come and gone. And we see those records, they perform they underperform comparatively. And so the greatest gift of being a band for 25 years is perspective. And so when we do look back on it, we're not trying to replicate anything other than how were we the best version of ourselves and able to create this thing that has staying power. Let's try to do that. Here and now. Here and now. Which is why we've gotten better at it over the last couple. of <laughs> The last few albums
0: have been incredible, dude. Yeah. I think you guys are firing on all cylinders. Before you go, I need to know, you've got the inside scoop. He's your boy tom morello yeah rage against the machine they're back together the question is are they going to make some new music because here's the deal man yeah it's exciting they're back of course it is Uh but we need a band like that now more than ever yeah what they're playing at so what's going on so
2: here's the thing every time i have communicated with tom and and i need something from him it never goes well so I've just left him alone, and I'm hopeful that I'll get that scoop whenever they take us on the door. <laughs> um, but truthfully... Um,
0: you agree with me that we should definitely hear some new music, though? That would be an exciting proposition. And...
2: I don't think they should do more than two or three songs, though. Right. I think that the curse of a band... Well,
0: it's a big legacy to live up to, isn't it, with a band like that? Yes,
2: and it is such... You know, where we're at right now, I love Refused. Can you imagine making a genre-defining album and then having to follow it up? Ten years after you've played those songs, like coming out of nowhere, the same, you know, the band who's reunited, who's doing it best in my mind is Alexis on Fire. Because they're just doing a song at a time, they're playing the shows, they're getting re-energized, and then they go into the studio and drop a track or whatever. Um, you know, even Blink-182 and they came back and they dropped a full album. It is never going to get the love and the attention as the other things. So I think it's more impactful if, uh, so if you're, if I'm in the room with them right now and they're saying, what are we going to do? I would say, just give us your best song right now and your most powerful best song star, and then dominate the airwaves and have a cultural shift because you just put out a, a powerful statement, you know? What year did you
0: tour with them? And were they kind of approaching the end So yeah, we, when you were with them?
2: When we first toured with them. Did you notice the tension and the yes. disrupt in uh, the camp? So we toured with them in 1999 on the first... Uh, uh, Battle uh, of L.A. album. Uh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. so that was our first interaction with them. And this is a funny uh, I'll, I'll synopsis, it, but we just got off a really bad tour where there were a lot of skinheads, a lot of fights, a lot of um, uh, uh, anger within the scene and... Uh, we actually left the tour in the middle because it was unsalvageable to us. Uh, we finished in Texas, and we drove straight home. We noticed that Justin wasn't getting out of his bunk that much. He was sleeping a lot, but we thought, "Man, he's sick all the time, no big deal. Turns out he got carbon monoxide poisoning from a leak within the truck, and he was in the hospital as soon as we got home. I don't know why, maybe... Uh, we felt guilty or what but we went to his parents house and we're raking the leaves of his parents it's, just, it's Pat head and I raking leaves outside
0: and just doing the chores doing the chores I
2: and I had just seen the gorilla radio video it was brand new it like premiered the night before and I was like I saw this band raging as a machine we should tour with them. Now keep in mind, I'm like 17, Like, I don't know how the music industry works uh, as well as those guys do. And they, they just kind of laugh. They're like, what? Like, that's a band on a major. You will never play with them. And I was like, "No, nah, it would be awesome. And so I called our label at the time and I asked them if they knew anybody who knew anybody who knew anybody to get us in contact with Rage Against the Machine. And I just left a message with someone there at the office. And... It's just some kid. Exactly. What? Yeah. yeah. And This is going to go well, right? Exactly. And so I got a call from the owner of the record label. Um, it was maybe like three or four people who worked there. It was probably two interns, someone who did uh, mail order, and then the boss of Go-Kart Records at the time. But Greg from Go-Kart called me, and he was like, hey, man, I just got off the phone with Tom Morello. Uh Rage Against the Machine wants to take you on tour. And I was like, sick, you got my message. And he was like, what? So the same day that I called and asked them if they knew anybody, Tom found us and called us that same day. How did he find you?
0: Just in a record store? He bought the record.
2: And he couldn't we had no contact information in the album. Brilliant. So And this is pre internet. Tra- yeah. And yeah, so he yeah. tracked down the record label <laughs> and called us. And so we, I talked to Tom the next day and he laughed that we're very hard to find. And um so but yes, it was abundantly clear when we were on those dates that we were Tom's band. So we interacted with Tom. Um I saw uh I, I saw members in flashes, but Tom was ours and there was a definite rift at the time. And um, that's
0: 99. That's 99. And, and they so, did two more records after that, then not they? Or did they do one more? No,
2: they just did the did Renegades. The covers. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, uh, there was talk that we would be a part of the Beastie Voice tour that they were putting together in 2000, and then they broke up. So uh, fast forward to 2008, we did... Um, The Big Day Out Festival with them, all of their side shows, all of their European touring Uh, in 2009. We did the um, Republican National Convention show with them in St. Paul, Minneapolis. So we've been fortunate to interact with them a lot in these times, but... I never called him and asked for any of those things, so we're just going to leave it in the same karmic space. <laughs> love it. <laughs> we'll that... see what happens. Yeah. What fa- What fascinates
0: me about Tom is there's there's this young UK band that I love called Dream Nails. Yeah, yeah, girl yeah. punk band. Yeah. we're taking band. them out. Uh, oh yeah. To do our in February.
2: Um, no, I wish they were going to do the UK dates, but they're going to do our Spain and Portugal dates. Nice. Yeah. They're
0: good girls. They're And um, I've noticed he's very supportive of them. I can see him online, like yeah, he, propping him up. So and, the the so he's obviously still interested in like new upcoming excitement. They
2: music. have a record label called Firebrand Records, um, run by mostly uh, this this uh, folk artist Ryan Harvey. Um, Who's they? Sorry, um, Tom Morello oh, and, okay. and Ryan. Right, and, right, right. And so they're going to put out the Dream Nails album in America. Ah, on Firebrand. okay, yeah. So, wow. Um, there you go. Yeah, and. Uh, we actually for af records we might do the vinyl for dream nails we're still trying to figure it out like because it's it's a complicated thing they have a label in the uk they've yep. got a plan we don't want to disrupt it we want them to do the things they want to do so but i know they want to tour america so if they do we'll find some way to help them amazing uh, do that the but, only
0: problem with that band for me is my ex-girlfriends they booking agent. so oh. it's,
2: it's the worst <laughs> i discovered them through
0: her because she took me to a show yeah. when she started working with them And so I haven't been able to go see him for years because Uh, I didn't want to have that meeting. But eventually I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go. And it was the first time I'd seen her in like three years. And I knew I was going to see her and it was as kind of crippling and awful as I knew it would be. But I guess it's like that thing, isn't it? It's one step at a time and it gets less awkward and awful next time. But I love the band. I think they're incredible.
2: Great songs, cheeky. I'll I'll tell you, you're a better man than I am because, (laughs) you know, as we talked about, you know, I... haven't seen my dad since i was 16 and i had a relationship end now maybe seven years ago and i couldn't imagine i would i'm sorry dream nails i'm not going to your show (laughs) (laughs) yeah it doesn't matter how good you are yeah i'm I'm, i don't know i can't i I, there's so much pain in the world that i'm not self-inflicting isn't (laughs) that it's too much man yeah
0: um Dude, thank you so much. What a great talk!
2: Yeah, and, th- you got you got some things out of me. Not a lot of people have. Um, and, well, thank you uh, for opening uh, up. And- uh, I think well, I mean, again, even though we were kind of ships in the night out there, I think that we have a common bond and a camaraderie that makes it so that it, it's a comfortable conversation. So, uh, podcasts are always a bit of therapy, but some of them are more therapeutic than
0: others nice one Chris thank you brother we'll have our time as well yeah we'll have our time I'll tell you what I'll come to a couple of these shows in February when I'm not working that would be great we'll kick it and hang out and then next time I'll have to do a double header okay with the pair of you and Justin together
2: yeah then we can get into some of his shit too yeah he's got he's got he's got lots to give
0: All right, group therapy it is. yeah (laughs) nice one dude thank
2: you thank you